Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. What's up, Fungal Associates? Welcome to Completely Arbitrary, the podcast about trees and other related topics. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Alex Croson, and I am joined by renowned dendrologist, medium height man, Casey Clapp. That's right, Alex. Thanks for not like uh, putting me too uh, too high on a pedestal because my feet, in fact, are not that long or big. Sure, I, I, I was trying to think of a way to describe you, and I and I'm I'm quite shallow, so I just went for your height. <laughs> so you just went with the first thing that came up. Yeah. Hi, Case. Hi, Alex. Good day to you. Good day to you, and it is a good day. It don't really you think? is. Yeah, I feel like a good day. I got uh, got a little uh, got a little cleaned out here today. <laughs> yes, Casey. Oh, you man. Uh, you had an issue with your ears. Yeah. So I I had to get my ears cleaned out. I don't know why, but every now and then, this is going to be too much, I'm sorry, they get clogged. They get clogged. And so I have to go to, uh, to a, a, a doctor of some sort and be like, I, I need you to clear out my ears. And then they're like, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Do you have an yeah. overactive... Uh, see, uh, see, see what I did? I got it. That yeah, was good. <laughs> Do you have an overactive, uh, like a wax gland or something? I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe that's the thing. I don't yeah. know. I don't know. But anyway, I had a... It was... It was uh, vital this morning i couldn't hear out of one ear so i decided to go Jeez. get it done it was the worst anyway so now i can actually hear through my speakers i can hear everything i'm like a i'm like one of those um one of those little primates that jumps around at night with those huge ears and those big eyes they're like they can, oh. they can hear like a cricket walking on the tree 100 yards away they're so they precious. Have, yeah, they're the ones that the, the the so nice they named them twice names. Oh, uh, it's like a hmm. Maybe I'm thinking of something else. Ooh, I don't know. If anyway. you know the monkey we're talking about, write to us arbitrarypod at gmail Alex is not a monkey; it's just a primate. Excuse me. Wow, wow. I'm 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 on like a I'm a shrubs are bushes kind of guy. Yeah, I guess I'm a primates are monkeys kind of guy. Every conifer is a pine tree. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Real shallow. Yeah. Well, you already admitted it, so I can't fault you. I'm one of them. Actually, here's another question. While we're on that subject, uh-huh. you know the people who are like because I admit it, it's okay. I disagree. Just because you admit you're a bad person does not then give you a pass for being a bad person. Oh, it's like at least I'm self aware that I'm selfish. Yes, exactly. Like everyone, but they they say it often as like a you know, well, but because you know that gives them a pass. Sure. Well, you know, Casey, 
I'm going to push back on this a little bit. I don't mean to cause any drama. Hey, that's okay. But that's maybe right. this is good for listener, listen numbers. Maybe people will <laughs> tune little, in. A little bit of drama. <laughs> I think, you know, every, this, this is something I, I've learned uh, in the past few years. Everybody is human. Except, yes. for the, except for the AI. Except for Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Siri and Alexa. Yeah. And Dwayne. Uh, I think I think it is a step in the right direction to say, look, I know I have this negative quality. Okay. That doesn't make it necessarily all right, but it is a part of who they are. Everybody's human. And uh and I, I'm gonna I'm sorry to high road you a little right. bit hey, here. That's fine, that's fine. I, I will still stick with it. But if you say it yeah, to my yeah, face yeah. and then do something that is actively antagonistic, sure. I'm gonna be pissed off. Yeah. Listen, I know I'm a jerk, but give me all your money. It's like, no, you that doesn't make what you did after that okay. Yeah, well those are the extremists. Yeah, all right. So maybe that's the thing. Maybe I, all right. I'm like uh, you know, uh if somebody's like, uh, I'm, I know I'm always late. I'm sorry. Yeah. And they show up late. It's like, all right. Well, they, they know at least. Okay, Alex. Uh, now that you brought that up. <clears throat> so, Casey, that means um, a lot to hear from you. Everybody, come in, please. <laughs> oh Casey, shit! This is an intervention. It's a late intervention. They were supposed to be here ten minutes ago. <laughs> oh, it's on. It's on theme. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Alex. You're right. You're right. There it is. I That's swear. <laughs> I, I I picked Did that example. <laughs> Just off the top of my head, it had nothing uh-huh. to do with you. Yeah, sure. It's you were late today for a very good reason. You were getting your, yes. your ears yeah, checked out. I was getting, my, getting myself all, all flushed. Yeah. Meanwhile, I am I am late. Hannah is also a late person, so <sighs> together um, we're we're not good. I've dated late people, and I it didn't end well. But you're a like a fifteen minutes early is on time kind of person. I admit I am compulsively early. Yeah, I am compulsively. Eh, I don't care. That's so fucked up. But is it, Alex? Time is just a construct, and why oh does my it have God. to be? Oh yeah, so are so, t- so are taxes. Hey, uh, so okay. is driving on the correct <laughs> side of the road. Yes, okay. There are things on the extreme that are not good. I agree. The construct of driving on the right side of the road uh-huh. is a the worthwhile con- construct. Oh so is being on time, Casey. So is not not as much as credence as we give it to. If you drive on the wrong side of the road, you're going to get in a car accident, endangering lives. If I show up 15 minutes late because I wanted to stop and get a coffee on the way, nobody's life is endangered. So it has to be life and death for it no, to matter? No, I'm just showing you the extreme differences here where you can't, it's not apples and oranges. It's, uh, it's, it's something that is comparable on a scalable level, but not just like right next to each other, you know? Uh, anyway, I guess it's all on a spectrum. I but will try to be on time. I totally I you. no. You you've done really well. I don't. This isn't a therapy session, but I will say I mentioned once that I w- I was legit upset. I was like Casey, you, you know what I'm gonna say. You're late all the time, <laughs> and it's upsetting. And we had a heart to heart. We did. Since then, you have never been like 45 minutes late. Yeah, it's always like two or three or on time. Yes. Which is late. And I even live... Wow. All right. Let's move on, Alex. What are we talking about today? What has it been? 20 minutes of us just chattering now? Well, that's okay. This is our podcast, man. We can do whatever we want. Yeah. One of these days, I think we should just do an entire show where we just banter. We never introduce a tree. Then at the end, we're like, all right, this has been completely arbitrary. Yeah. Thanks, guys. And then see if anybody notices. Just be like, check the check the website for show notes yeah, yeah. for the show we were going to record. <laughs> uh, uh, Casey, speaking of apples and oranges, ooh, that happened about 45 seconds ago. That's true. We are talking about a fruit tree today. Right. And that fruit tree, 
I'm not going to give anything away, but it is. it has a special place in my heart, and oh. I'll get to that later. I didn't know that. We are talking the peach. Peach. Prunus Persica, Alex. A powerhouse in the fruit community, may I say? Uh, it is. It really is. And I it stunned me to kind of learn this. Yeah. I, peach is like, I would say peach is like the, uh, like the, the Aries of fruits. It's not quite a Zeus. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the sign Aries. And I was like, wait, do you think people who are like Aries are like powerhouses is that oh. is that one of their t- traits like the trait of an aries is being a powerhouse i don't care for any of that nonsense ah, wow okay sorry are you in a are you an astrology fan or no not uh, particularly do you, do you put, put stock in it at all no not a lot hannah does a lot of people my old neighbor florence does and oh. she calculated my star sign by hand that's right stunning woman that's she is. that's that's hardcore legit yeah, old school hard. hippieism yeah she did a good job but also she called a bunch of things like about me so i'm kind of like okay you're you're probably you're right i don't think there's nothing to it yeah but i don't think it's it's like mm. end all be all well i guess suffice it to say then you're talking about the god aries yes as a powerhouse that is correct okay it's not it's he's still in the pantheon he's up yeah. there on mount olympus the peach yeah but it's not like for me the best of the best uh, it's not a mango it's not a mango zeus is mango i see i see okay zeus is mango casey ah, that would be that would be a fun family tree do everything again but just with fruit the actual fruit, not the trees, the fruit itself. I love this idea. Anyway. Casey, let's imagine as we do every episode that you and I are walking through mm-hmm. an orchard in the foothills of Mount Hood. How about that? Ooh, that would be good. I think, yeah, I think they'd probably grow out there. And we come across, because it's an orchard, yep, a bunch of peach trees. Let's ID this tree oh right alex this tree is a tiny to moderately sized little thing it is in the rose family and it is prunus persica which means of persia we'll come back to that later okay it is a a, it's a peach tree that makes peaches and it looks like a cherry tree or an apricot tree or a any other kind of tree that looks like those kinds of trees I mean that because they're like all the same. Mm. They're like these short little trees that kind of look a little scraggly, a little sh- a little shrubby-ish, but, but you can be like, okay, yeah, I see how it's a tree like can, that. Can I ask a rose family question? Yeah, go for it. Are roses in the rose family? They are. Okay. They are the, they are the, the, the titular yes. uh, organisms in that family. Okay, but it, so ro- the, uh, prunus is not a genus or a, a, a family of trees. Uh, no, that is a genus of oh my plants. God. Genus of trees. Oh my God, Alex. Yes. So there is. So the rose family has essentially the traits are they have um, petals and flower parts in fives. Oh. And uh, there's other things that come along with it. I don't know exactly what those are, but that's okay. like the big thing. Okay. Whereas, say, the lily family, everything is in multiples of three. And in the rose family, uh-huh. there are many different things that you wouldn't guess are in the rose family. But if you look at those flowers, you can see they're usually white. They have kind of that weird smell that I don't like. The um, the pear that we all that we all love and hate at the same time. Yes. Like quite, not, not ironically, what is it, uh, counterintuitively. Is it um, now the pear that shall, the the tree that shall not be named? Yeah, I think that's what it should be. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Saying its name gives it gives it power. Exactly, and then all of a sudden the its stock goes up, and now everyone's buying it all the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like just saying something, and then Google's like, "Oh, push that, push that." Right. Anyway, 
Uh, Hawthorns also are in the rose family. Catoniaster, everything in Prunus, which is all the cherries and plums and peaches and all those things. Okay. So it's in that family. Rosaceae, the rose also, of course, in that family. Many other little adorable little plants. And it is, it's a small tree. It has white to pink to like very dark, dark pink, gorgeous blossoms. Mm. And this is the thing that everyone really loves about the peach other than the food, the actual peach itself. Oh, yeah. So they're they're like these weird flowers. Like I, I have to admit, I don't think I've ever really seen um, a peach up close, but their flowers do look subtly and like like specifically different than a cherry where a cherry i think kind of comes out in each petal unless it's the double flowered ones we're not going to talk about it but they have these uh uh like kind of individualized petals where the petals kind of don't overlap maybe they do a little bit but mm. not a lot whereas the peach flowers they're they like are really big wide blooms and like widely opened kind of flattened and they just look more like they're really bright eyed as opposed to a cherry, which I think is a little bit more, a little bit more mellow. Like okay. they don't kind of stand out individually. I don't think as much. I, what do you think of the, what do you think of the peach flower? I think it's beautiful. Like I really do. I Me like too. it a lot. And the, the picture that you're looking at actually specifically, which I think is just more, more or less a Google image. It's like this really dark. It, it looks like a dogwood. Honestly, it's like this dark pink. Color. Yeah. I think that's very handsome. Th- this is, this is good news for the peach in yeah. terms of cone ratings. It, it is. has the, f- there. the flowers of a dogwood, but it has this special surprise that the dogwood does not have. Yes, precisely. Well, let's talk bark. Is this, What's, what's what are we talking in terms of bark? Well, it usually has those horizontal lenticels on the bark, similar to cherries. Again, oh, they're, sure. they're really closely related in that regard. Yeah, and uh, it has uh, usually it's kind of smooth and get a little bit bumpy, a little bit scraggly, kind of as it gets older. But it generally doesn't do a whole lot, and it doesn't like maintain itself in a way that you're like, wow, that bark is just aging beautifully. It just kind of gets bigger, gets a little, a little rougher, a little tumbler. And lenticels for our for our first time listeners. Uh, so these are these are little what we would call gas exchange ports on exactly the bark. Exactly right. Yeah. Uh, I like to think of it. And we've we've said this before that it's like jeans splitting open in a cartoon when mm. a character farts. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's like just it needs to get some gas out and it just creates a rip in its own bark to do that. Yeah, and it just does that all over it. It's a yeah. it's a very like if we take that metaphor too far, then this would be the smelliest plant you've ever heard. Oh boy, ever smelt, ever so, been with. Hmm. Is there a Bradford pear equivalent for shit smell? You know, yes. But what? they don't. I don't think we plant it as often. I like specifically hawthorns. I think oh. the English hawthorn and the uh, Washington hawthorn. Um, I think they smell so bad. Wow, like, just so bad. But they're 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 not like like that bad. They don't smell like actual feces. Okay. But there are some that do. Um, some plants that smell either like feces or dead rotting bodies to uh, attract flies, and that's how they get pollinated. Some of those like famous, hey. the, I can't even remember the, the species, but it's the biggest flower in the world. Like it's this big, massive thing. That one is a corpse flower. Yeah, it's it's like it's not a corpse flower, but it's a different one. Okay, and it has that big, crazy like blah, smells awful. But flies awful. are like, I'll go over there and pollinate the heck out of it. Yeah, doesn't it know there are other ways? I guess it does, but you know what? Yeah, it, everyone has to take a different direction. Yeah. Got to specialize somewhere. If everything else was taken. Yes, you just got to grow your own way. Yeah, exactly. You know what I want to do? I want to get those butterfly. 
Oh, butterflies are taken. <laughs> what else is left? What about bee? Oh, bees. Yeah, bees. Okay. Um, oh, long time ago. Hmm. Beetles. No. Beetles? Okay. Ooh. What's that? What's that bug that loves um, poop? Yeah, I see it all over the place. Is that what do I need to do to get them? Oh, that's it. <laughs> Easy. <laughs> Nobody wanted those. Okay. Yeah. All right, I'll do it. Casey, let's cut the horse shit yeah. and let's get straight to the main attraction of this tree. All right. All right. The peach. The golden peach. Well, you have these you have these dark green leaves. You have in between them these bright yellow, orange, gorgeously fuzzy little fruits just little balls of sunshine little, it's like the size of a baseball they are officially called droops d-r-u-p-e put that on your scrabble board yes so droop and other other droops i guess the rose family is full of droops yes everything in prunus in fact is a droop in the entire genus there you go cherries cherries droop uh apricot that's a droop uh what about nectarine ah droop Okay. So is an almond. What about avocado? Avocado is also a droop, but there it's not go. in this same family. So you can kind of tell what droops are by that description. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which we'll get into in a little bit. We'll here. talk about that in a moment, but first we got to focus on the peach droop itself. So the thing about peaches is where they're initially from is uh, is a bit of a, uh, a a strange question. Again, we'll talk about that in just a moment. Mm-hmm. However. They have come across and been planted and cultivared everywhere. So now we have a bunch of them that maybe started in the east and then went to the Middle East, then went to the west. Now they went over to the far west, and now they've been planted all over the place. Georgia uh, you know, is famous oh, yes. as a Georgia peach. Apparently, the Georgia climate is perfect for them, where they like to be chilled for about 30 or about uh, about 35 degrees to 45 degrees. They mm. want to be chilled. Then, after that, they will bloom and just like be profuse and put out these really big, beautiful fruits. Wow. These big, beautiful fruits are very large and fleshy. So, a droop, Alex is characterized by having an exocarp, which is the skin okay. uh, that has those little fuzzy bits on it. The crust. The crust. The mesocarp is the flesh. That's the juicy, succulent mm. thing in the middle. The mantle. Yeah, the mesocarp. Mm. Then the ovary wall is the endocarp, and the endocarp is what we call the pit. Inside that is the seed. The core. The core. That core is the protective thing. That's what the tree wants to, to grow and, and push out, and that's what it needs to create a new peach tree. The pit is protecting the seed? Correct. Okay. So all this comes together, and you get this big, fleshy, delicious fruit that has this, like, you can't describe it other than, like, sweet and gorgeous, and it, it's, like, a little bit sour, but uh, unlike a plum, where the plum has, like, that spicy kind of, tangy Mm. skin a peach does not have that spicy tangy Mm -hmm. skin a tangerine though might have a little bit but not a lot a tangerine more like yeah exactly tangerine yeah and uh and that's what it does it's a small tree so you you know you plant in orchards and then you can pick off all these big things it's got a bunch of problems because we've cultivated it for so long that now essentially we say here are the genes that make these big delicious gigantic fruits but that actually takes away from the plant's defenses mm. so it doesn't it gets a lot of uh, a lot of other problems one of my books uh trees i think it's a uh, yeah just the tree book um by Warren and Durr say essentially uh, don't try to grow peaches yourself it's going to go awful and you're not going to get good delicious looking peaches they're going to be full of worms oh. and the tree's going to look like hell 
Jeez, that's awful. Yeah, under the street tree use, they just say no. So we have bred this thing. We've inbred this thing so much that it has no immune system, and yeah. it's like the sickly. It's the sickly uh, inbred prince of the of the fruit family. Yeah, pretty much. We have to like treat the orchards and things to keep all the bugs and all the fungus and all that kind of stuff away from it. So we have those those perfect, unblemished, unholy uh, peaches. Wow, that's it. But. They are uh, otherwise, you know, have big, beautiful flowers that are mm-hmm. pico whitish. They don't go very long. They live maybe 25 years. Like, they're not long-lived trees. They die pretty quickly or fall apart quickly. And we throw their seeds out in Georgia, and apparently they just grow everywhere. So they kind of became a little bit of a, a roadside roadside orchard, I think is a term I read, where mm. people are just throwing peach pits out the window and then that you just get new peach trees that really? grow, so you can just walk along the side of certain highways and just be like, hmm, peaches, all right. Sounds very Southern. You're driving your, yeah. you're driving your old Chevy <laughs> down the road, country road, and you throw out the peach pit. Yeah, years later, someone comes by, eats a peach out of that. That's a short story waiting to happen. Yeah, it absolutely is. By yeah. Flannery o- I think Flannery O'Connor would write something like that. I think you're right, now that I know exactly who that is, for sure. <laughs> Casey, are you ready for some Croson's Homegrown Trivia? I sure am, Alex. We have a special event today. What is it? We have a special guest. Oh, my God. Alex, who is it? It is Spencer Huey, who, if you'll remember, during our food mm-hmm. season, plant-based diet, I think that was season four of our yep, show. I think so. Before before the uh, before the unseason yeah, occurred. The, the, the upside-down season. Yes. Before the Ragnarok. <laughs> uh, Spencer was instrumental in giving us recipes for that season, and mm-hmm. he has done it again, Casey. Good for him. So let's hear from Spencer himself this recipe for a peach, corn, tomato, hazelnut salad. Oh, my God. Hello, everybody. My name is Spencer, and I am a cook at a restaurant called Chez Panisse in Berkeley, California. Um, I also do some recipe development as well. And so today I have a peach recipe for you guys. I absolutely love peaches. They are probably my favorite fruit. That is a big claim for me to make. But yeah, they're so tasty. They just remind me of summer, and you eat them over a sink, and the juices are just running everywhere. There is nothing like that. I cannot wait to get some tasty peaches this summer in a few months. So I have a a great recipe for you guys. It is very easy to toss together. It is a very summer-centric recipe. It is a peach, cherry tomato, corn, and hazelnut salad. It's great to make um, in the middle of summer when all these things are, again, in season. They're all really sweet and tasty, and it's too hot to cook anything. This is what you make. So this is a non-recipe recipe. You basically take a few peaches, you cut them in wedges. Uh, I leave the skin on. I'm totally fine with that. Take a couple ears of corn and you cut them off the cob. Uh, we're going to keep the corn raw. And I like the, the milkiness and the sweetness that raw corn has. And as you cut it, I like to shuck the corn, lay it on its side, use a sharp knife on a cutting board. And um, that way the, the kernels don't run anywhere. And also use the back of your knife to scrape the cob off so you get that corn milk and that's just more corn flavor. 
So you have your peaches, your corn, slice, uh, I don't know, a few cups of cherry tomatoes in half, throw them in a bowl together, and then another small bowl, make a vinaigrette. So you want some olive oil, maybe a couple tablespoons of olive oil, a couple tablespoons of rice wine vinegar. You can also use lemon juice and maybe throw some lemon zest in there. Some salt, mix that together, toss that over the peaches and the corn and the cherry tomatoes. And then uh, you're going to toss in some basil leaves, maybe four to five sprigs of basil, as well as about a good handful of roasted uh, hazelnuts that are kind of roughly chopped. Throw that all together, toss it, uh, just season it with salt if it needs it, maybe a little more vinegar and acid if it needs that. Put that on a plate. Man, it's so tasty. It is great for any barbecue or friend or family get-together that you guys have. It's a great way to enjoy the summer and especially peaches. Make this recipe and you guys won't be sorry. Take care. Okay, Casey, I'm hungry. Alex, I also have to agree that uh, I started getting peaches um, hmm, some years ago when they were like nice and ripe. Yeah. I've never gone back. Oh, yeah, man. I just love them to death. I just can't. I can't. They are probably my favorite fruit to have in the in the summertime. Wow. Yeah, for sure. Eating eating good in-season fruit is a real game changer. Yeah, it absolutely is. It's just the way it is. I, I just, I, I started uh, eating, I started really taking advantage of citrus season a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. two winters ago. And um, as you'll recall, the entire top shelf of my fridge was yeah. full of <laughs> citrus. I do remember that. It was like the best time of my life. Yeah. It was amazing. <laughs> it's, it's what brings a little sunshine into winter That's here right. in the Pacific Northwest. That's right. Uh, thank you to Spencer for that recipe. You can find it on our website. Uh, under the show notes for this episode. But Casey, we got to take a break, but we will be right back with more droop action, more peach action right after this. We'll be right back with more Completely Arbitrary. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome back to Completely Arbitrary. Today we're talking peach prunus persica. Yes, Alex, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. It's not from Persia. Thanks for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary. We'll see you next time. Bye. <laughs> wait, 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 Alex. Oh my god. Oh my god. That would be a real power move. <laughs> that would be just end the recording. <laughs> Let me keep talking for another 25 minutes and then just just don't do it. It's like not nearly as mind-blowing as we thought it was going to be. <laughs> That's the whole story. Uh, we're just going to be like, it's not actually from Persia. Yeah. Anyway, what's this the, has been great. What's the opposite of a cliffhanger? <laughs> uh, I think it's a, a mountain where you, you see the whole thing in front of you. Oh. It's right there. It's so the opposite of face. a traffic light is a car? <laughs> uh, I, I don't think so. Casey, let's talk... <laughs> 
My Peach. brain hurts. We've had a lot of weird, weird talks today. Yeah, a lot of good, intense conversations. That's a bit of a chaotic one. You know, I, you know, I like the. Th- I, it's more of a philosophical one. I say. Wow. Yeah. Tell me more. Well, Alex, if you are a Eurocentric person and you have something that you've had in Europe for, let's say thousands of years, uh-huh. you would be forgiven to think that is European. Sure. In fact, it is not. Right. This happened as a quick aside in uh for the the Persian. So uh our our old friend Linnaeus, um I believe named oh, the yeah. peach. Um I actually should look that up just real fast to make sure. However, uh 70% correct. It doesn't matter. Somebody named that <laughs> and said uh. this is Persica because this is the peach from Persia. Persica meaning of Persia. Right. So, um, but that turns out to be completely incorrect. It is actually very much most likely from China and then was traded over through those cultures into Persia. Then the Europeans were like, what is this fruit? And then they traded it with the Persians or from people mm. from the Middle East, then moved that over into Europe. Then it became a European thing. And then lo and behold, it kept on coming. And the Spanish then brought it over to South and Central America and Southern uh, North America. Then that ended up getting traded with uh, the Navajo and the Hopi and different tribes. They then traded it amongst themselves and then ended up making their own orchards that they actually thought were spectacular. It was a very big point of pride for a lot of the Navajo. In Man, fact. I, no kidding. Yeah. And so, you know, it went around in this nice big circle of where it's from and how it was transferred over. And um, now, of course, Georgia here in the United States is well known as the peach center of the whole world, the Georgia peach, you know, right. all that. So is it, it's, the, is it the peach state? Uh, you know, it, I don't know if it is. That's a good question. Either way, we can uh, we can be assured that everyone has kind of somewhat taken ownership at some point or time during uh, the long trajectory of the peach to kind of kind of make it their own. I think everyone loves the peach so much that they essentially, if they have the opportunity to like take it on as their own thing, they, they apparently do. Wikipedia lists peach as an inanimate. An inanimate insignia of Georgia, whatever that means. Ah, that is, honestly, rolls right off the tongue. Peach, the inanimate insignia of Georgia. Can you guess what the fossil is, the the inanimate insignia fossil? Ooh, of Georgia? Uh Uh-huh. Hold on. Hmm. I will be amazed if you can pull this out. Hmm. Come on, Case, you can do it. Okay, the trilobite. No... But you're not close. Shoot. Okay, great. Sh- Thank you. A shark tooth. <laughs> a shark tooth. Yeah, whatever. Huh. The, I I, they know. both live underwater, so I guess it's not that far. But. These things have to be arbitrary, yeah, right? Yeah, they are. Well, except for uh, Oregon's, uh, where it is the Don Redwood, uh, because we have so many fossils of it everywhere. Oh, sure. Yeah, and then uh, if you go back and listen to the Don Redwood episode from February 2020. Wow. Yeah, 2021. Here's the real story, though. I don't want to talk about how the peach has been bastardized and taken all over Mm -hmm. and then used and has become this you know, this big thing. Everyone loves peaches. We got it. We get it. But what exactly is a peach, Alex? Uh, It's a droop, Casey. It is a droop. And we've talked about this before. We've talked about what exactly a droop is earlier. It is a s- tiny little exocarp, which is the skin, and then a big fleshy 
section, which mm-hmm. is the mesocarp. The part we eat. Then the endocarp is that really hard pit that is lignified, woody in the middle, protecting the kernel, the seed. Pop it open. There yeah. you go. Yes. Now, a droop is a extremely, an extremely common form of fruit. It is a cherry and all the other things in prunus as we've discussed right but just a, a quick list and i know we don't usually go to um uh, wikipedia but wikipedia of course is one of the best list pages oh yeah and this includes uh things like the loquat also i believe in the rose family loquat loquat is that related to the kumquat mm, yes oh wait no kumquats in that family wait mm. Either way, I can't remember. Okay, seventy percent. I don't know if it is seventy percent likely. It is okay, uh, but also uh, the coconut. The coconut is a droop. Are you kidding? Yeah, not at all. That's a fact. Where's the Where's the seed? Where's the seed? The seed, Alex. Where's the seed, Mister President? Where's the goddamn seed? This is gonna blow your mind. The coconut is the seed. Oh God! Yeah. That, oh, that big okay. Thing, the the outer husk uh-huh. that you have to like rip off. That is actually the mesocarp. Okay. So it didn't get fleshy. It just kind of dried out and became really fibrous. Yeah. And then the inner side. So the the um, this is this is great. Let me let me pull from my book. Okay. Otherwise known as uh, the Triumph of Seeds, which is a lot of the stuff um, is coming off of uh, coming out of this book. It's an inspiration. It's by Thor Hansen. Everyone should go pick it up. It's spectacular. That is that is an incredibly Scandinavian name. Oh yeah, totally is. Uh, and, and it's a it's a lovely a lovely writer, as many Scandinavians are. <laughs> Alex, acellular endosperm. <laughs> is that a, is that a stereotype I don't know about? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's pretty it's pretty bad. You, you know those Scandinavians always writing quality always, work. Ah, just makes me so happy. Them in their clean, nice prisons. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the Scandinavians. Alex, uh-huh. are you familiar with acellular endosperm? Obviously not. Alex. Stop setting me up for failure. How many times have you had coconut milk in your water? Um, how many times? <laughs> okay. How many times? This is set up for a joke. <laughs> it is. So coconut water walks into a bar. Uh-huh. Uh, how many times have you had coconut water? Uh, a few times. How many times have you had acellular endosperm? Oh, the same amount of times? The same exact amount okay. of times. Let me give you uh, Thor's uh, glossary definition. Okay. An unusual substance found in coconuts, known in the grocery store as, quote, coconut water. Wow. He's British for this reading. Okay. It consists of free nuclei floating in a nutritious cytoplasmic bath. As the coconut matures, cell walls form, and much of this material transforms into the meat, i.e. solid endosperm, of the coconut. Some other seed endosperms pass through a brief acellular stage very early in their development, but only coconuts maintain it for so long and in such quantities. This is what our <laughs> this is what our podcast has come to. Yeah. Just reading entire excerpts from books. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so I couldn't. Re- I was. I wasn't. I was more paying attention to your accent. Yeah, than, it, thanks, than to the content. Can you sum that up for me, Casey? Yeah, I sure can. So, for whatever reason, uh, it turns out the coconut is the biggest seed that exists because the coconut itself, wow. the big thing that we see and love and say, Oh, that's a coconut. That 
is the seed entirely. Okay. So if you would eat wow. uh, um, an almond, which is a droop as well, the almond is the seed that is inside the pit, which is the actual ex- or, uh, endocarp. Right. The endocarp of the coconut is that hard outer thing that you have to like break open in order to like crack it open. Then you have the white, um, the white stuff and then the the water stuff uh-huh that water stuff is the acellular endosperm okay yeah. so you know when you like you ever you ever broken open a seed uh-huh like a peach seed yeah um not the pit but the seed itself ah uh, yes and it's sort of that waxy texture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that same texture coconut meat is that same texture yes sort of thick hard waxy Exactly. Um, okay, it's, it's the same the, material. It is the same. It is as the seed. It's the same uh, functional thing. It's a little bit different because they come from different plants, you know. So it has maybe different proteins or it has different um, makeups or formations uh-huh. in it. But for all intents and purposes, that is the seed inside. So that uh, when the coconut like falls into some some faraway beach off of the tide that section has a germ in it that germ starts to grow and it uses what we call the the flesh of the coconut which the water slowly becomes coconut water slowly becomes coconut flesh over time wow that's it solidifying then the seed this little germ that that uh that embryonic tree that's in there starts using that as its energy then it pops up the the cotyledons which are those very first leaves that come out those uh-huh. uh, baby leaves on every little seedling that ever happens and then what's called a radical which is one root that comes down right radical so you have these two things that come up and the seed that endoplasm that is that is the that is what they actually eat and sorry the endosperm that is the that's the that's the nutrient base <laughs> that's the yeah uh i've never thought i would say this that's very wackadoo. <laughs> I never thought you'd say that either. <laughs> yeah, that's wild, man. So, so that's a droop, Alex. Okay, coconut meat. Yeah. I know this isn't the coconut episode. Yeah, not not quite. Uh, but this is where this is the droop episode for all yes. intents and purposes. And and the reason uh, I'll, I'll wrap it up because I don't want you to be like, well, well, how did we get talking about the coconut, Alex? Right. Well, we're talking about this biology of how these kinds of things happen. So I was I kind of when we came down here and said, hey. What are we going to talk about today? Let's go over our, our plan. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I give you a nice full plan. Other times I leave this like black box void at the end so that I can be like, Alex, I'm not going to spoil it. Right. But trust me, it's good. Just like any relationship, we have to keep some things from each other. Exactly. So that then we can we can burst it open later in fits of excitement. The prestige. Yes. This is the prestige. Alex, I think that uh-huh. the droop as a botanical and functional thing is the most best fruit there is. Okay. Pine cones aside and other kinds of cones because oh. they you know they're 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 different. We're talking only in the angiosperm section of the world. Are you talking culinary culinary fruit? Yes. Okay. And botanical fruit. Okay. I think they're the best. Oh wait, botanical fruit. In every regard. It's so like a cone. Yes. Well, sorry. Well, no, I'm only in the angi angiosperm. We're we're taking cones off because they're just so different. It's comparing uh pardon the the pun Cars to streetlights. Okay. They're just completely Thank different you. things. <laughs> okay, I see. So, so we're talking only the angiosperms, only the things that you can that make the have ovaries. Casey, before we started recording today, yeah. you were talking about, we were talking about the content of this episode. Uh-huh. 
And you said, and at the end, I'm gonna, I have an opinion that I'm going to try to convince you of. Yes. There's no convincing needed, my man. Oh, my God. I'm so happy. Droops. Really? Are number one in my book. They're number one everywhere, yeah. Alex. Oh, my God. I'm so, this, I feel so relieved. Wait a minute. What? Is a mango a droop? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, okay. Now, this no is, question. No this doubt. This is called endozookery, Alex, which literally translates, again, this is from our seeds book, going abroad with animals, endozookery. Huh. And it's just, it's exactly the, the, what we're talking about. Droops have solved this problem in the best way. Yeah. Where they have the seed in this tight little thing. Peaches explicitly are very poisonous. If you make a tea out of peach leaves, it could kill you. It, it has killed uh, like children who've done this. Holy shit. If you eat the the seed inside, it has the same stuff that almonds use, or had in them before we basically found what we now eat as almonds, which is um, the amygdalin and um, cyanide, a cyanide, cyanide substance. Right. Oh, so shit. It, it just in that same episode when we talked about this, um, certain, um, I think, sorghum, if animals ate the seeds and the leaves of sorghum when they were uh, really nice and mature, uh-huh. then it would actually, those things when they get crushed, it starts a chemical reaction that turns them into cyanide, which then will poison the animal. So every animal's like, I ain't eating that. That is poison. So why is that a smart technique? It's a smart technique because you either don't eat it and your body passes it through, and then that seed is now pooped out. But you also won't break it open to get to the seed, because the seed, as we were we talked about again, we, we covered all these things. We're bringing a lot of stuff together this episode. Else. Yeah, yeah, A yeah. seed uh, is one part little embryo of a new plant. The other part is actually another plant that was... Uh, uh, same thing where it was basically twins in there when they first happened, when mm-hmm. there's pollination. One twin became the embryo, which is going to be the new plant. The other twin essentially became the lunch for the first twin. That's that's what the, the endosperm is. like. That, that's it's pretty dark. Yeah, it, it, uh, it got pollinated and then just turned into this big, delicious uh, nutrient base for the, the embryo to do it. So it's kind of sad. Yeah. But, the moral is, um, that's the delicious part. That's what we humans eat. That's why we eat almond, which is a droop. But it, for whatever reason, lost its actual, like, all those chemicals that kept it away, the amygdalin. Yeah. So, peaches have not lost that. And they will fight back. And your body knows that. And your body would basically be like, hmm, I don't, this doesn't taste good. Put it through the poop chute. <laughs> Get it out of me. So... Uh, to a peach tree. Yeah. This smart, crafty little tree. Smart, crafty little tree. Uh, the ideal situation mm-hmm. is for somebody to come along and say, wow, these fruits look delicious. I'm yeah. going to ignore the leaves because they, they look like they might kill me. Yeah, they're quite bitter. Uh, oh, that's the bitterness. Yeah, That's yeah, why yeah. they're bitter because exactly. it's like a way of saying don't eat me. Precisely. Um, take that fruit. You eat the, you eat the little prize around the mm-hmm. money. Yep. And you throw the money to the side. Yes. And the seed is like, just as planned. Yeah. And it starts growing into a new I'm tree. Over here. Exactly. Then it breaks it apart. I think it also would love it if maybe a horse ate it because then it goes through the body. Everything gets dissolved off of it and then it gets popped out in a nice little bit of fertilizer with this little seed stuck in there. Wow. Still protected, mind you, inside this hard pit. Right. It's not just, it's not like a, uh, it's not like an apple where no. the seeds yeah. are just 
raw dogging. They're just there. They're just they're they're gonna pop it out there and just do whatever they got to do. Wow. So you actually kind of give apples a little bit of credit here. I never thought I would say that, but. Turns out that the apples actually are a little bit more uh, independently made. They don't have this big protection out there. They're just like, I'm just going to make my way. I'm going to fight off my own self. Sure. But in this case, apples, the seed coat on the apple seed has that same stuff in it that has the same bit of cyanide. A little bit of a barrier. A little bit of a barrier, but it's different than a droop because the seed is essentially not... uh, it's not making that hard bit on the outside. That is a part of the ovary, which then has those three things, the endocarp, mesocarp, exocarp. Right. Last thing, Alex, uh-huh. is that you would think, okay, peaches, plums, all those things, which plums, honestly, mm, a little bit iffy on. I don't really like the zing. I'm not a fan of the zing. Oh, you're zing. not a plum guy. I'm not a plum guy. I am a peach person. Cherries, eh, can I take it or leave it? Sometimes they're great. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood, and I'll let them rot on the counter and give them to the flies. Hold on. You said earlier yeah. that droops are the best fruits. Correct. And now you're saying two out of however many yeah. that you don't care for? Mm-hmm. It's just a little shady, I think. Well, Alex, allow me... To continue in my argument. Okay. Even though some of them I find to be uh, not distasteful, but let's say not as tasteful as other things. Sure. There are this other thing. There there are these other things called droplets. Oh, fun. Which I'm going to argue are still droops. They're just smaller droops. So a droplet is essentially a raspberry. Each one of those little Mm. bundles, that is a droplet in aggregate. So a raspberry is an aggregate of droplets. Now what this means is that there's one flower with multiple little teeny tiny carpels inside. Uh Those little teeny tiny carpels, each one is becoming a new fruit. Each one becomes a tiny little droop. That tiny little droop is jammed next to another tiny little droop, so on and so forth until you have a raspberry. Yeah. You can also have a mulberry droplet but that is not a uh, aggregate where there's one flower, many carpels. This is many flowers, many carpels, all in essentially a long catkin. Mm. Then each one of those becomes an individual droplet all jammed next to each other. So if you look at a blackberry and you look at a mulberry, they look exactly the same. Yeah, they're sort of longer. Yeah, they're a little longer. They both have the same color. These little like uh, spheres of delicious juice all packed right next mm. to each other. But, yeah. but one is like 50 flowers with 50 little little packets of uh, delicious. The other is one flower, 50 little carpels, 50 little packets okay. of delicious. So it's, it's just a difference in organization. Sure. But it's enough to say, well, these developed in a way different way. So they were way different in terms of how they developed from each other, but they came to the same solution, which is delicious. Avocados and coconuts and a million other little things i don't even need to go into it to talk about how intense and delicious they are um all these other plants i we can't even go into say the tropics i don't even know half the tropical fruits other than obviously we talked about mango yeah but if you include all the berries like raspberries and blackberries and thimbleberries those are all droops Mm. and that amps it up even more the droplets that's what i'm gonna say Blueberry, not a droop. But I don't think so, no. No. Blueberry seems like it's related to an apple in some way. Yeah, it's because it has that little bit at the bottom of it. Yeah, but I actually, I don't know. I would need to I would need to do a little bit more uh, research on that. 
Casey. Alex. I think this is a fine time to get into our review of the peach. I think that's fair. Prunus persica. We'll give some final thoughts on this wonderful tree and then give it a rating of 0 to 10 golden cones of honor. Yeah. We'll do golden poems of honor for this oh, one. Oh, that's nice. That makes me feel good. Yeah, that's nice. Okay. Casey, uh, as our resident expert, All right. we'll begin with you. Alex, I am very torn on this, as I usually am with small, insignificant trees that bloom for 30 seconds out of the year. Oh, sure. We know your stance on cherries. You know my stance on cherry, and for all intents and purposes, a peach is just a big, fat, fuzzy cherry. True. Although, I find the flavor in the constituent texture... The constituent texture. Yes. Okay. Much more palatable than a cherry. Okay. So, um, I'm going to give I'm going to give the peach. I'm just going to go right off the top and then I'll explain my reasoning afterwards. Okay. 7.0. Oh, fuck. Exactly 7.0. I'm sorry, Alex. I'm sorry. I know you're upset. I can feel it. I also heard it. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They are short-lived trees, which is fine. Not every tree has to, you know, live forever, but come on, if you're going to be a tree, you might as well live forever. So, come on, buck up. Second, they have so many diseases, and they've been taken around everywhere and just treated horribly. I, 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 I give them a little bit of credit for that because, you know, we've brought them everywhere, and we've done a lot with them, and they have w- risen to the, the point, but they've also left a lot of stuff behind. Is that their fault? Is it our fault? We've had this, this uh, philosophical conversation. You know, Arborvite is a perfect example. Mm-hmm. So that one's kind of, it comes out neutral in my book. The peach, the fruit, oh, my God. It's delicious. Does that make up for the rest of the, the tree being, you know, so so? I don't know. I, I don't think it makes it up to be incredible. I don't think it makes it up to be completely detrimental. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say right in the middle, 7.0, sure. because I think that that is, it's good enough in the fruit, as Spencer noted, is so, so perfect in the summertime. Yeah. That it just bring it, it absolutely is the curve breaker that puts it up to a higher level. Whereas, uh, if it didn't have fruit, or maybe if it had, I don't know, fruit more like a, what's the thing I'm thinking of, a cherry? Mm-hmm. Maybe it would, be, it would be like four and a half. For sure. Yeah. Flowers, eh, okay, 4.7. Oh, because you like the flowers. Yeah, but only for that one second in the middle of spring. All right, so 7.0, Golden Cones of Honor. That's where I'm going to go. For the peach from Casey Clapp. This is probably the one that actually has the biggest amount of uh, culinary affecting uh, criteria of most of the trees we've ever done. Oh, for, yeah. For me personally, I sure. guess. I think for you, it, it it could literally sway it like seven points. Well, here we go. Uh-oh. 14 golden poems. <laughs> <laughs> wow, a first. <laughs> Casey, I was fully prepared to walk across the room okay. and grab my melodica from its case. Oh, I was almost positive that we were going to be playing the uh, Golden Cone of Honor theme okay. that the Olympics stole from us. They did. They did. That's, there's a history there. But it's okay. Your cones are your own. Your poems are your own. I can't believe this. I just uh, I have some things to say. Alex, the floor is yours. Thank you. Peaches come from a can they were put there by a man in a factory downtown 
Thus are the immortal words of the presidents of the United States of America. <laughs> Millions of peaches, Alex. Um, peaches for me. Peaches are very are I, I have a I have a I have a very deep long relationship with peaches. <laughs> uh, as a child, my my dad is from Alabama, so not quite Georgia, mm-hmm. but he he would come home regularly with a f- a flat of peaches. Oh my god. Um, and we would just, I mean, it would be all I ate for like three days. Yeah. It's the only thing that keeps me full. Spend the next three days on the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I ate myself sick on peaches as a kid and I still do when they're, when they're good and in season. Mm -hmm. My favorite book growing up, Mm -hmm. James and the Giant Peach. Yeah. yeah. A Roald Dahl classic. I think his finest work personally. May I interject? Sure. I believe that he actually changed it from something else to Giant Peach because he was like, they're just so good. How can you not? Oh, wow. I wonder yeah. what it was originally. I, I, I'll look it up while, while we look at this. Plum, probably. Probably. Um, One of my favorite movies, James and the Giant Peach. Yep. That's a fantastic film. Based on the book, James and the Giant Peach. That's right. It's it's no it's no accident. It's no accident. How they come up with the same fruit? <laughs> My favorite summertime dish: peaches with burrata. Uh, a, d- a delightful culinary experience. Yeah, I mean, both of those things are good. Now, I'm not. I'm not you you keep going. You Thank keep you. going. Um, for me, peach it, it does not get better than peaches. Mango kind of stands alone. On the on the top of my hierarchy of fruits, yeah, yeah, yeah. both of them. Yeah. Peaches are an extremely close second. Wow, really? Uh, I never really thought about peach trees. Uh, I knew, I knew, you know, logically they came from a tree, but I'm more focused on the fruit. Mm-hmm. And because my poems are my own, I choose to heavily weigh it in the fruit's favor. If gotcha. you see what I'm saying, I do. Casey, I, the peach. I couldn't live with myself if I didn't give Prunus Persica 10 Golden Cones of Honor. Oh, Alex, what? Excuse me, Golden Poems of Honor. You did 10 still? 10. You said it's a close second. It's so close that it's a rounding error that goes up to 10 yeah. behind the mango. Yeah, fuck it. Which also got 10. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Alex, that's stunning to me. They're very dear to me. Peaches are incredibly dear to me, and I cannot wait for them to be in season. I'm going to buy myself several flats and have myself a good old time. You should. Are you you ever going to move out to the country, have yourself a lot of peaches? Um, I I think that's better left for for others. (laughs) All right, that's fine. All right, that's okay. Alex, wow. I am, that is, you know, we've been doing this for a while. Yeah. I'm still, whenever we reach a tree that you give 10 out of 10, I think mango floored me when you did that the first time. I was yeah. like, what? Well, it's I think Gin- just a mango. Ginkgo was the first 10. Yes, I think that's fair. But that one, And then yeah, mango, I think, easy. was that, 10. Yeah, stunning. Yeah. Wow. I'm, this, I'm, I'm speechless. I feel very strongly about, about peaches. And you should. It makes me want to have some peaches. <sighs> Man, wouldn't that be great right now to just like... Yeah. To say to our misophoniacs, I'm so sorry, and then just take a huge bite, juicy bite of a peach. Yeah. Casey, in that film, James and the Giant Peach, one of my favorite parts growing up and now uh-huh. is when James 
in human form, in live action form, because that halfway through that that or not halfway after the first act that that movie changes into a stop motion film. Yes, but yeah. it's live action in the beginning and, and then book ended at the end. He reaches into the giant peach and takes a scoop out of it. Yeah, and he has this you know softball plus sized <laughs> scoop of peach meat yeah which in itself is bigger than a normal peach yes it's i mean like cantaloupe size yeah and he just bites into it and the juices run down his chin it is one of the most satisfying <laughs> images in cinema history i challenge oh, anyone to God. find something more savory and delectable wow it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful fruit a wonderful film a wonderful book a wonderful golden cone of honor score. Yeah. Ten. It's stunning, Alex. And onward we ride. <laughs> Casey, it's time for a completely arbitrary Q and A. This week, our question is from Brittany on Instagram. Brittany asks, hi, Casey and Alex. Hi, Brittany. Hi, Brittany. I love your podcast and learning so much. You've inspired me to expand my natural history collection beyond seashells and rocks. Ooh. My question is, how do you recommend storing and preserving different types of leaves and cone specimens? Thanks, Brittany. Thank you, Brittany. Casey. What a good question. I chose this question because it's a little bit relevant to me right now. Okay. I, uh, start, I have a budding, no pun intended, cone collection that I kept on my desk, mm -hmm. just sort of sitting out. And I had to eventually put them <laughs> away because there were just seeds everywhere all the time. Yeah. And I didn't like the way it looked, just kind of like splayed out. Yeah. Um, and I put them in a bag, and I put that bag on a really high shelf in my closet. Mm -hmm. It's a little shameful for me. That's okay. Casey, you have an incredible cone collection. Thank you. Which is now how many strong? Um, I think it's 105. That's amazing. Yeah, all individuals. Different species, right? Yes. I, in fact, I had to go back through and purge some old ones and then make sure I had others. Um, and so some were just like Pinus species. So I got rid oh. of all the, the non-species in my list. Wow. I, I'm sorry, non-specific things in right. my list. So now I have at least, I think, 104 or 105 individual species. That's amazing. I'm, I'm quite proud. I feel and, very good. And you store them in jars. Yes. So that's a, it's incredible to me that you have 105 jars. I don't well, know I how you do way, that. Way more than 105. <laughs> you got to give me some of those jars. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. All right. So Casey... Yeah. What do you know about preserving leaves and cones? Well, this is a bit of a it's a bit of a tough question. People have preserved leaves for a long time, millennia. Um, herbariums are what they call it. And if you just look up herbariums, uh, you can find I think it's herbaria. Sorry. Mm. Um, and what they essentially do is they take a leaf and they would put it in a leaf press, which is essentially two pieces of wood with uh, a bunch of other pieces of, of flat wood in between okay. with bits of like parchment paper. It's not even parchment paper. It's some kind of um, somewhat dryable, somewhat um, suck like a moisture reducing paper. Like a, um, like a wax paper? No, it's not. It's explicitly not that because oh. the paper will suck up some of the moisture, but then it will go into the paper, but then kind of just 
evaporate out. Okay. Um, so I think it's more like a tissue paper kind of thing. Hmm. Some people have used newspaper and that kind of thing. Okay. And you basically take a, a piece of wood, a piece of paper, a leaf, a piece of paper, a piece of wood, and then you cinch those together. Or people like toss them in books and then close the books up. Right. But that will essentially, you're trying to dry that leaf out, but dry it out flat in, in situ so it's not going to fall apart, it's not going to break, anything like that. And you also don't want it to be curled or anything like that. A lot of times when things dry, mm. they will curl in a little bit. Mm-hmm. So you want it to remain flat. So they would press it in these plant presses. And a lot of them actually have clamps on either side or like at the corners. Oh. So you can screw them down and hold everything really tight wow. and let that just dry like that. That's impressive. Yeah. So that's what a lot of people do. Uh, they do it with flowers also. And they would like maybe rip off a couple of the petals and then lay it down so you can kind of see what a cross section mm. would look like. Um, but they use that um, a lot in herbaria specifically to say this is the type species of this plant. So if they say this is the first of every, you know, of any Eastern flowering dogwood. Someone has pressed a leaf and probably a twig and a flower of an eastern flowering dogwood, and then they've kept it somewhere. And then when they try to find a new species of dogwoods, well, they say, well, I think this actually might be the same species. They compare it to that very first type species. Oh. And then they can say, nope, this is the same one, or they can say, no, this is different, and that kind of thing. Oh, so the type species is like, we know for sure... 100% DNA-wise, that this is an eastern flowering dogwood. Yes. So any any tree that you're trying to identify that you think might be, compare it to this one. Yeah. Because this is the type species. Exactly. But it's a little bit, It's there's a slight nuance in there, Alex. Okay. Where it is the first thing that we've identified and called an eastern flowering dogwood. Because before that, it was just a plant. Oh, sure. So then when they first identify it, that makes whatever that thing is that's identified the very first one. So even if everyone else in the world has been like, well, these are all Eastern flowering dogwoods, if we go back and compare it, we'll say, no, 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 this is the first Eastern flowering dogwood. Okay. And then everything else that we compare it to, if it's not, then we have to give it a different species name, essentially. So this this like uh, book, wooden book pressing thing, uh-huh. is that is that realistic for like a con- consumer grade oh, yeah. preservation? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people do it. A lot of kids have it. I have one that my grandma's mother had. And yeah, people used to do this in college all the time because we they were like, it's what you did. You went out and collected leaves for your botany course and you would mm. take these leaf presses and you can just probably Google leaf press and find a bunch of uh, you know, pre-made things you can get. I bet you. I bet you'll find some good tutorials on YouTube. Oh, absolutely! Yeah. So that that would be how I would say uh, to do a leaf. Um, very challenging to get one that's big enough for like uh, I don't know. Uh, Kentucky coffee tree. Yeah, there's just, you know, they're the size of like 16 platters that you'd put a, you know, gigantic extra large pizza on. Like a waiter's platter that's holding all the plates. Yeah, it's like that size. Yeah. Wow. Um, However, conifer cones, whoo, that's a little bit tougher. Here's why. If you have certain conifers, like say true cedars, true true firs, Mm. Alex, they fall apart piece by piece. They sure do, Casey. You realize that when you try to collect one. (laughs) And, and it blew up. It literally exploded. That's yeah. what they do when they dry out. So yeah. if it's a, a spruce or a Douglas fir or a pine cone of any sort, 
it will dry and just be, and it'll just go into place and it'll just chill there. Um, that's really great. What you want to do is uh, dry them and let them sit in a warm spot in your house. Usually works, but then of course you could get bugs and you know seeds and other weird stuff. Which some people don't mind. Some people do mind, yeah. Alex. <laughs> so in in that case, um, you could put them in a jar, but don't tighten the jar up because if you oh. tighten it up, then all of a sudden you get this like perfect microcosm of an environment that is if it's getting hot it's getting steamy yeah if it is closed tell me more yeah well it's a hot (laughs) steamy jar alex filled with cones and microorganisms like fungus Mm, it's like a sauna in here yeah it is and all of a sudden this mold is like it's a sauna and there's all this delicious wet wood everywhere well that explains why my uh I think it was a deodar cedar cone. Uh-huh. Uh, grew a bunch of like white slimy shit all yeah, over it. Yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's that's happened to me too, Alex. It's happened to all of us. Just so you know, um, I'll get you another one. Thanks. You're welcome. Uh, but that's the that is the big issue is that if you dry them out, um, a if it's a certain kind, they will literally fall apart. Yeah. Um, B if you dry them, if you don't dry them out and you just put them in a jar and seal them up, you create the perfect conditions for them to explode and mold. So you have to dry them, and sometimes what I do is I collect those early, so like a uh, true fir or a true cedar, I would get them a little bit early in the season so they're not quite ready to start breaking themselves apart. They'll stay a little bit tighter, then they'll start to grow right before they really mature, and then once they get to their, I'm mature, I'm now looking to break apart level, it's too late. They're gonna, It's usually about fall, late summer. Mm. But if you get them in sort of the midsummer, you can get them when they're just before maturity, pop those off, I would set them in a jar, and then set the jar without the lid on it somewhere that they can just get nice and toasty and it'll just kind of crunch itself up but you got to be careful because if you shake it too much it could still fall itself apart a windowsill might be good a windowsill i have a wood stove with a shelf over the top of it and i set them right on top of that stove uh yeah shelf on top of the stove um but then other times uh people will take those same things they'll dry them out however they can whether it's sitting i've also put them in uh tissue paper and rolled them up and then set them like as i'm driving on the the hood of of my uh, my car, mm-hmm. or uh, rather, on the dashboard. The dashboard, yeah. yeah. That works really well because you get all that air coming through. It's drying, but you also have held it into place by kind of rolling it up. Um, and then other people take like glue, where they take um, adhesive spray, and they would just go and do the whole entire thing and like cover it with this this spray and that would also hold it into place i don't know which uh which one we have one of our listeners who sent us a bunch of cones alex yes um if they're listening again we lost their name and i I think they messaged us on on instagram also send us an email and tell us your trick we'll cover it next week and and say update hey here's a here's a great way to do it because they have a gigantic um noble fur cone that is perfectly preserved and it's not falling apart and it is would fall apart if it had the option, but it's it's nice, well preserved. Wow! So that is that. Those are the kind of things that I do. Um, sometimes also, if you want a big cone in a little jar, you take a pine cone, you, you let it sit in water for a little bit, then it'll close itself up, and then you put it in the jar, and then you put it in a hot spot, and you let it reopen mm. inside the jar. It's like building a uh, uh, a ship in a bottle. No one's no one's going to know how you got that little the big gigantic cone. In this little tiny opening in a jar. 
Fascinating. Yeah, there you go. I know, Alex, you're at the edge of your seat right now. <laughs> I couldn't inject some <laughs> enthusiasm. I have, an, I have an alternative idea, Casey. Okay, yeah. What do I you don't got? think it's realistic at all. Hey, let's try it. But I think it would be cool. Okay. Resin. Yes. We also had someone deliver us a nice little resin with a Douglas fir cone. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Put and then and here's what I'm here's what I'm thinking. Yeah, you 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 uh, some submerge it in resin, let it dry. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like it's like a, a cube, squared off you know rectangle shape, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you carve, you uh, polish yeah, the yeah. resin to sh- fit the shape of the cone. That would be great. And then you get a 3D laser etcher, right? Mm-hmm. Etcher? Yeah, why not? Yeah, and you etch the species into the resin on the bottom of the cone. So then you can just flip it over and be like, oh, it's a Pinus uh, Sambitiana. That's right. Gotcha, Sambitiana. I think that would be gorgeous. That would be great. And that, that I would love to see um, a really well-done version of that. Not that the the, um, uh, pyramid one wasn't well done, but it it just was like more of a pyramid... Uh, display yes, with this cone it, on the inside. It was more stylized too. Yeah. I think it had like gold gold flecks yes, in it too. Exactly. It's it's sitting on on the shelf, uh, similar to these other pine cones, but just a little bit uh, further away from the fire. Oh yes, um, good call. But that is it's one of the most. Uh, it, it makes it difficult to like see through because it's it's a little bit opaque. Mm-hmm. So it makes it a little bit more challenging to be like zah. I can get all the details of the cone and like flip it upside down and like see all these sides. Right. So that's why I've had other people um, suggest that to try to keep these cones in place but it just never quite uh i i I guess i never could quite get the the detail out of it that i really would want without doing some crazy amount of work like what you're talking about but like etching entirely like the surface of the cone so there's just like this this paper thin shell around the outside you could you could hire somebody who really knows what they're doing. That'd yeah, cool. hey, it sounds good. If you guys, uh, if anyone wants a job, we'll hire you for very, very, very little money to do this. <laughs> um, but we'll uh, we'll give you a big thumbs up all the time. We like our our contractors to work for free. Let's just <laughs> we say we really it, Casey. do. That's we'll just say it. that's not true. <laughs> we're, we're making an ironic joke. Well, anyway, Alex, that's, okay. uh, that's that's how I would do it. A um, fine answer. That's what I'd recommend. In fact, in my Sibley guide, multiple times I've had bits of leaves or flowers fall out because I've clamped them in there. Ah. It's a really good book to do that. It closes very nicely. There you go. But it'll make your pages a little moist, so keep that in mind. You don't want moist pages. Thank you, Brittany, for your question. If you have a question about trees, email us at arbitrarypod at gmail.com. That's A-R-B-O-R-T-R-A-R-Y pod, P-O-D dot com. Join us on Patreon. For five or ten bucks a month, you can support this podcast, get bonus episodes, get cone stickers in the mail by independent artists every month. Casey Clap. Alex, I have an update. Wow. About what? Uh, Raw Dog's book. Raw, oh, Raw, what? Okay, hold on. This is big. You ready? So this was the original fruit that the peach was going to be. Yes. That he, he eventually changed it to peach. Casey, Correct. what is it? They said, and this is uh, the story of trees, and How They've Changed the Way We Live by Kevin Hobbs and David West, Beautiful. illustrated by Theobald Herman. Beautiful book. Herman. Really is. Uh, this is it. The children's author, Roald Dahl, had originally intended to write a book about a giant cherry. Oh. You got it right. Wow. But then the, bo- uh, the book became James and the Giant Peach because, said Dahl, quote, a peach is prettier, bigger, and squishier than a cherry. 
Couldn't agree more, Rald. Wow. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't have said it better myself. Yeah. You know how many poems of honor he would give the cherry? Oh, 10. No. Oh, cherry. Two. two. Yeah, yes. Two. Okay. He would be like, cherries are stupid. No one will read that book. <laughs> but peaches. Yeah. Also. Now we've got something. Do you know what else, uh, what else I learned just now? What? That um, James Henry Trotter's parents mm. were tragically eaten by a rhinoceros. That's right. Yeah. It broke loose in the zoo. Horrific. In, in the book, it's an, an actual literal rhinoceros. Yeah. In the movie, it's a storm that, uh, like a big lightning storm that kind of takes on the shape of a rhinoceros. Oh. And so they can have this big set piece at the end with a peach flying at the storm, and he says, I'm not afraid of you, I'm not afraid of you. Oh. It's an extremely touching story. It's it incredible. It really is, yeah. Well. With that, we thank you for listening to this episode of Completely Arbitrary, and we will see you next time. Goodbye. Au revoir, everyone. Completely Arbitrary is produced by Alex Croson and Casey Clapp. Our artwork is by Jillian Barthold, and our music is by Aves and the Mini Vandals. And you can support the podcast at patreon.com slash arbitrarypod. And find additional readings at completelyarbitrary.com. Thanks for listening. 